Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our scripture passage for today, it comes from Matthew 19, uh, verses 1 through 12. Listen for what God is saying to you. When Jesus finished saying these things, he left Galilee and came to the area of Judea on the east side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them. Some Pharisees came to him. And in order to test him, they said, Does the law allow a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Jesus answered, Haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female? And God said, Because of this, a man should leave his father and mother and be joined together with his wife, and the two will be one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, humans must not pull apart what God has put together. The Pharisees said to him, Then why did Moses command us to give a divorce certificate and divorce her? Jesus replied, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives because your hearts are unyielding. But it wasn't that way from the beginning. I say to you that whoever divorces his wife except for sexual unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If that's the way things are between a man and his wife, then it's better not to marry. He replied, Not everybody can accept this teaching, but only those who have received the ability to accept it. For there are eunuchs who have been eunuchs from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by other people, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs because of the kingdom of heaven. Those who can accept it should accept it. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture. This morning we have um, the gift of a a special... um, preacher today, uh, a longtime friend of mine, uh, Vance Blackfox, um, who is a citizen of the Cherokee Nation. He's also an alumnus of Texas Lutheran University and the Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago, so some folks might be familiar with him. Vance has served the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America in a variety of ways throughout his life at local and national levels, including as a board member with Extraordinary Lutheran Ministries. In addition to his extensive work with the ELCA, Vance is a devoted advocate for Native causes. He has held executive director positions at the Haskell Foundation and Oaks Indian Mission, and he currently works as the communications director for Native Americans in Philanthropy. He was recently elected president of the board of directors for the uh, National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition, and he has been appointed guest curator at the University of Texas at San Antonio Institute of Texan Cultures. He's also the indigenous theologian for the faith-based initiative for the city of San Antonio, where he currently resides. And we are so grateful to be able to have him this morning. Let us um, welcome Vance. Good morning. What a scripture text. Dang. <laughs> what do I know? I don't know. Um, the first thing I need to do this morning is um, invite all of you to um, help me um, honor and acknowledge the lands upon which we um, are sitting, standing, living, uh, residing now. And here in this place and in this space, um, that would be the Potawatomi, the Peoria, and the Miami peoples. 
others have come and to be a part of this place and this community over time um, since those peoples, but those peoples have been stewarding this land for the past 10,000 years or more. And so it's important to think about what that means um, for us as we reside here and have the privilege to do so. Um, so we need to join them in that stewarding in a good way. So I just want to say thank you to Pastor Emily um, um, for having me. Um, it's good to see you. We're counting the days or the years it's been since I've gotten to hang out with she and Rich and Stella. And, um, and Stella may not even have been born. I, well, I saw you on the street at one point in time. Um, I see a lot of people on the street here. I saw Carolyn on the street a few years ago just as she was getting ready to, to, um, to adopt her, her baby. Um, and so I'm happy to, to always be running to folks on the street in Hyde Park as I come back and visit. Um, and then I run into my auntie, um, Stacy, who is visiting um, here um, today in church. Um, I shouldn't have said anything because now I have to preach in front of my auntie. So, um, <laughs> uh, um, but um, good to have family in the room um, and, and, and good friends. So, um, I'm just really thankful for the opportunity to be here and thankful for um, all of those who journeyed before me, both in this place, but also in my own people's place, um, the Cherokee people, um, of which I'm a citizen of that nation, and of those people. Um, I am really thankful for the opportunity to have had this long heritage, and I could preach on that all day long, the heritage that I come from and, and how I become interested, as Dave asked me, in native theology. Well, crap, I don't know. Um, God just kind of makes it happen sometimes, right? Uh, but the, but, this, but the story is long and intentional, and one day I'll maybe share that with you, and, and Caroline's gotten to hear some of that in, in, in the past as well. But I am, am proud and excited to be here in this space with Urban Village Church and to have been a, been a part of worship a couple of times back in the beginning um, and to see uh, what it has become here in this place of Hyde Park and Woodlawn and this incredible um, host of witnesses and, and the baptized who are serving here out of this particular worshiping community. How incredible, how incredible it is to see um, that the works of your people um, 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 and, and what that's turned into. So I watched from afar as well and excited to, to be a part of this. So again, this scripture text, crap, you know. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, have this, when, when, when Pastor asked me to, to consider this particular text and to talk about, you know, um, gender in this month in particular that you're t thinking about and, 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 and pushing uh, the um, envelope, if you will, in worship spaces to talk about things like this, right, every day usually, but this month in particular, I was flattered and excited and, and willing to tell my story and to figure out how we put that together with this text. Um, but uh, the reality is, is that I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. Every time I walk into a place or walk behind a, a music stand or a pulpit, I don't quite know how I fit as a Native person, period. What does that mean for me to walk into a space um, where I uh, usually feel safe, but understand how for generations my peoples didn't feel safe walking into a similar space? For those in our midst who might identify as lesbian, gay, transgender, bisexual, etc., etc., and the plus sign, we know what that feels like. In addition to being native and sometimes feeling a little eerie about walking into certain worship spaces that might be a little dangerous for me, I also am two-spirit. And for those of you who might not know what two-spirit is, it's a third gender. 
of the native peoples. And it's something completely different. And so I exit sometimes in a worship space my two-spiritism into being gay because I look like a boy. I sometimes sound like a boy, right? And so I struggle with having to always negotiate what it means to be me in church space, what it means to eliminate myself from who I am in order to be in relationship with other people who love God and who appreciate Christ at every single moment. A lot of folks may not have to do that. That's, that's wonderful. Good for you. And so I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be two-spirit. What it means to be something completely different. What it means to be always left out of if we are forced into that queerness of LGBTQ+. What it means to, 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 to not really fit there either. Not because we don't want to, though many two-spirit people say we don't, but because people won't let us. So even the queer don't want the queer. Otherwise, that too would be at the beginning of the LGBTQ. That's from my perspective. <laughs> right? But at the same time, as I've mentioned, Native people believe ourselves to have been two-spirit for 10,000 years. There's a famous picture, a, a sketch, if you will, that a Spanish priest drew. I believe it was one who was with, I don't know, one of those people from Spain, De Soto, Columbus, I don't know. And the picture is of these beautiful Spanish, beautifully dressed Spanish men, the regal, not the sailors, by priests who had already identified the Taino people, Arawak people, to be, first of all, gente de Dios, people of God, because of their incredible connection to the Spirit, their connection to Mother Earth, their amazing ability to understand ritual as, as a holy ceremony and something sacred that happens every moment of our lives as indigenous peoples on this side of the world. But they could not accept the fact that there was men dressed up like women, that there was this binary that had already been shoved into their brains and into their hearts that didn't allow them to love the people who were most loved in many of our communities as two-spirit, third-gender people here on this side of the world. And so this picture depicts these native people in a pit being eaten by dogs. And at first glance, you think, oh, they're women. But the story behind the picture, written and spoken, and then you look closer, and it's third-gender people. And so starting 500 years ago, our closet began. Our closet door had been opened and would soon then be shut. And for hundreds of years, Native people who were third gender, two-spirit, who had once and still but once really been acknowledged as spiritual leaders, 
as medicine people, as healers, as caregivers of children, as story keepers of our tribal peoples, had been pushed into this very tiny closet, almost to extinction. With return happening in the late 70s by leaders who were caring for indigenous peoples who had no resources because they were no longer connected to their tribes, whole another lecture, whole another sermon, having been pushed away from their reservations because they were the other Tribal peoples had been assimilated and Christianized and missionized to a point where they were supporting the closet door being kept closed. And so in the 1970s, thank God, the caregivers of those native two-spirit people who were dying of AIDS, and some of those native leaders in those spaces began thinking, how do we recall this tradition and this existence, and this holiness, and the sacredness of, of peoples who were honored and understood to have the ability to see the world in two ways, an extra special way, and not in a way of subtraction or diminishment, but rather something more, something more godly, something more holy. How do we pull those folks back into a place of honor? helping them make their way back to the circle that they belong to, to understand who they were as two-spirit people. I happen to be blessed that I've only ever known myself to be two-spirit, to have only ever known myself to be a third gender. I was one of those nerdy kids who liked to read a lot back in the day, had a lot of mentors in my life who helped me understand the world, my world, as an indigenous person, to be broader, more full, and not belittled. So I knew what two-spirit was before I was even ready to come out. Around puberty, when I was ready to really just do whatever. <laughs> when I didn't know myself to be a part of the unit crowd. I didn't know myself to be a person who needed to cut myself off from love and intimacy, to be separate and be different in a bad and shameful way because I was gay or two-spirit. And so I think about this text while at first glance, I'm like, man, I don't, I, don't, that does, I don't know anything about divorce. Except that my mom and dad did it once. I live with folks who journey through that situation. But I, knew, I do know a lot about what it means to be a eunuch. I do know a lot about what it means to choose for your own safety to want to protect yourself and to cut yourself off from intimacy and love from a very early age. Well, I didn't understand what gay and two-spirit was at a, as a two- or three-year-old, four- or five-year-old. I knew that I was different. I knew on the playgrounds and the softball fields where my dad was playing or the volleyball courts where my mother was playing or at church 
So the kids were playing outside during Bible school in the summertime. And I got the question, and some of you may have gotten this question too, are you a boy or a girl? And in my eunuch self, immediate would say, well, I'm a boy, knowing in my mind at such an early age to know I wasn't sure about that. And then growing into an adolescent and knowing that I'm two-spirit finally and understanding what that means at an earlier age, quite a blessing. Where you at? My blessing girl, where's she at? Where'd she go? There she is, back there. What a blessing, right? To have known that at an early age, if not only just for my own protection. And so I think about what it might have been. What it might have been for Jesus and the people who were following Jesus around at the time. Jesus, who was a tribal person, who knew a time when being a eunuch was not necessarily an honor then either. That his inability to go deeper at any point beyond maybe even this scripture about what it meant to cut yourself off from love and intimacy for your own protection, sometimes not by choice, but forced slavery, focus on the me, the powerful, becoming a part of a system. I think about what it might have been like really outside of those paradigms, uh, those worldviews of the powerfully um, wonderful Roman and Greek empires that kind of eliminated through Christianity and other religions the existence of someone's own self. It becomes a little tricky in this text because Jesus is talking about two different things. Jesus is talking about what it means to exist in this world as a eunuch and then being able to accept it. But I, and, and immediately, I think, as I look at the text and just at a shallow level, in my opinion, think, should we as eunuch people just be okay with this particular call in our existence? Hell no. <laughs> but I want to dig deeper. I always want to dig deeper. As a native person, I can't sit in the shallow. The shallow end doesn't exist for me as a native theologian. I can't do that. And so if I'm forced and expected to take this particular piece of scripture into my heart, I have to wonder, how does this speak to me? How does this heal me? Because what I also think is happening is that Jesus, in all of his ministry, was looking at how we begin telling what the truth, both capital T and little t, and also remind ourselves, right, that we have a lot of healing to do. And in fact, in my opinion, that's why Christ came anyway. And so if that's the case, I have to scoot over this worldview of all those translators and writers of the text and think about what Jesus might have really been saying to me as another tribal person. That's not easy. 
while sometimes Jesus and Christ is really up in my ear about stuff, not always when it comes to trying to, 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 to exegete a text. But as a tribal person, was Jesus really saying to us that we are to accept the fact that unit people exist and we have to figure out how we are in the best relationship with eunuch people, the eunuch crowd, those that might have been born into whatever eunuch might have meant at the time and what it might be for people to be born into what eunuch means today, what it might have meant for people to choose to be eunuch at that time, and whatever that might mean to be eunuch today what it might mean for people to be forced into this eunuch crowd for the sake of the powerful and the hateful, and what it might mean for us to be in relationship with eunuch people today. That has to become the center of this text in order for us to live out the gospel in the best healing way possible. So we have to figure out not just what Jesus might have been saying back then, but rather what we know Jesus to be saying to us today. How are we creating healing spaces for all of those folks, whether they be a two-spirit person living in this gendered um, prison by simply just not wanting to say I'm two-spirit because every time I do I have to give a lecture for free. Because most people don't know what that is, right? Or whether it be our transgender brothers and sisters and others who might also be living in a similar prison. Whether it might be the closeted teenage boy or girl them. How are we creating spaces of healing? How are we on the track for justice? How are we outing to the crowds with Jesus that eunuchs exist and we have to accept that and accept our call to be justice seekers on their behalf so that they can feel the fullness of Christ's love without doubt so that they can feel the ability to understand themselves, to be free to teach others about what it means to be othered. Or maybe even to be put in a place of honor and to make that the norm. It helps sometimes to be a native theologian. And I like to think that um, I'm not special in that. But instead, all Christians, somehow, somewhere, back in the day, whether you're a new Christian or old Christian, black, long Christian, right? Even a TV-watching Christian, because I do that sometimes. <laughs> that you all have this heritage of being tribal, you may not have the same ability to understand what that means like I do because I live it every day today, but you have that heritage. And so how do 
you accept that Christian heritage that's tribal, that understands yourself to be only human and only um, and without excuse, rather, without opportunity to be outside of a community, and that you're responsible to the other people in that community. And that you flip your understanding, maybe I'm preaching to the choir, of who gets the place of honor. I think this church has done a good job of that sometimes. But how do we continue beyond just what we've done so far? And how do we make that normal, not just for us, but other people out in the world? I... I want to come out today as an ally to all of you who aren't two-spirit in your journey to understand who I am. I want to be an ally to you to help you understand how holy people like me, how sacred people like me are in this journey of pain that you might go through, whether it be your own personal understanding of gender and sexuality, or whether it be the work that you still need to do to help make space for us. I'm going to be your ally. I want to be your support. And so that's why I come to places like this and to other scary, scary places. This place ain't scary, but the other scary places <laughs> out in the world to have the same opportunity to preach the word about what it means to be a eunuch, what it means to be the other. I'll close with this. A couple things. One, <clears throat> I think it's important for me to say that most two-spirit people who live in an orthodox mindset about what it means to be two-spirit and third gender, we believe ourselves to be something created other. Unfortunately, because of the ostracism from the LGBT community and our history to, together and not together, um, the support of that exclusion has caused us to really just embrace the fact that we are separate. We, and we know ourselves to be a new creation altogether, right? We're an important creation, but we are not a part of the LGBT community. Now, do we socialize with y'all? Absolutely, right? Because it's safe, it's similar, all those things. But it's important for me to say that many two-spirit people believe this. doesn't mean that we're not in relationship with the community or the community's allies. No way. We journey together, but it is something different. That, too, is a hard thing for people to digest because everybody wants to control us. Two, if you're not Native, you cannot call yourself their gender or two-spirit because it didn't come from your culture or your um, descendancy. I have to say that thing. And lastly, one of the things that um, I'm really kind of proud about, because um, I talk a lot about other in my other worlds, uh, I have an organization called Otherwise, which actually was birthed out of um, LSTC, probably since Stacy and I were there back in the day, um, um, called Youth and Mission. It was a youth program. And so we take young people into urban Denver now. It used to be Chicago, but urban Denver, and um, along the border, Austin, San Antonio, Eagle Pass youth groups, student groups, to talk about what it means 
for people to be othered, right? What it means to be in relationship with other people, um, what it means to be in relationship with people who are deemed other. We also flip the script there. When you go into someone else's community, you go into someone else's home, especially native community, you might go in, a lot, of, a lot of people who go on mission trips are saying, we're going to go visit the other, we're going to visit the oppressed, we're going to go visit the people who um, need us. But just like I've mentioned that I'm an ally to you now, um, when you're on our land, you're the other. That too might be hard to digest. But as you, but as you um, become more familiar with the people around you, whether that be Native people, queer people, Asian people, white people, because some of us like to not always be in white spaces, as we learn to be in better and healthy relationships with one another, and we learn how to understand ourselves as the other, we will only begin our first bit of the journey to be in real healthy and healing relationships with one another. That's the only way that we can do that. I happen to be given the privilege and the gift of being the other for so long already. That it makes it a little easier for me. But I challenge you, I believe that God calls you to be in relationships with other people as the other, to be in relationships with those who have been placed and forced into the world uh, as eunuchs, so that we might all really begin seeing the fullness of Christ around us every day. Again, are you the choir? Maybe. Can we always do better? Can we always do better as, as a choir here? Always do better? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we can always practice and do better. I say thank you. Wado, I give thanks to Unehlana for the opportunity to be in this space to share a bit about what it means to be me and what it means for you to be you um, and what it means for us to understand God's call um, to be in relationship as the other. Amen. <laughs>